Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given throughout the area. Today's show features Sister Ann Shields and her talk, Four Ways to Talk to God, recorded at the Gift of Faith Conference in June 2009. And now, Sister Ann Shields. So what I want to speak about this morning is prayer. And then a little later this morning, I want to talk about it in relation to the Word of God. We're in a relationship. It's the most important relationship we have, whether we know that or not. It is the most important relationship. And God, our Father, desires to father you. Right now, in your circumstances, no matter what your age No matter what your life experience, God, your Father, wants to father you and care for you. The Father is always seeking to give you life. He's always seeking by the power of his Spirit for newness of life. God, the Father, loves you. Now, when you have a good earthly father, it's fairly easy to make the transition to God your Father. If you haven't had a good earthly father, it's pretty hard. But the Holy Spirit can do it. I was one of those who had a good earthly father. He, was, um, he had a garage and gas station. He had an interstate truck terminal. He was, he was always working with his hands. He was always dirty. I love the smell of grease. I love the smell of gasoline. I love the smell of oil. I just love it because it connects to my father. People look at me like I'm nuts, but it does. And so I grew up in a gas station, basically. It was right next to our house. And so I I grew up there. And my father, um, one day, when I was still a very little girl, I was asked to recite this poem Um, at a Christmas event, and there were about 2,000 people in the audience. And I was seven years old, and I never was very big, and I was really little. And my mother had asked me to recite the poem before we went to the event. And I was forgetting a couple of the lines, and she was all upset. You you know this. And And the more she talked, the more nervous I got. So we get in the car to go, and we arrive at the auditorium, and I'm shaking. And my mother says, now, do a good job. Yes, yes, I, I will do a good job. You know? So she goes in because she's the accompanist for all the music. So she goes into the auditorium and gets settled. And my father walked up beside me, and he said, honey, he said, do you see that clock in the back of the auditorium? And I said, Mm -hmm. He said, when you get up to recite your poem, you just look for me. Back there, just look. So I got up, and I was, you know, very nervous. And my mother was right down here by the piano, and I wasn't looking at I love my mother. Don't misunderstand. (laughs) I do. I dearly love my mother. But that was a moment. That was... mm. So I was not looking at my mother, but I looked back, and under the clock stood my father. And he went like this, you know, from the back. So I just looked at him. 
and I recited the poem, and I got through it flawlessly. And at the end of it, he was <laughs> But he was there. He was there. And sometimes when I'm frightened about something, I just think of that. And I think, God, my Father, is watching. God, my Father, is there supporting me, encouraging me. And whether you've had a good earthly father or not, that's who your heavenly father is. He watches over you. He knows you through and through. He knows every cell of your body. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his only beloved son for you. That's how much he loves you. What Think of a parent sacrificing your only son for the sake of others. It would, um, it would kill you in a certain way. And God the Father loved you that way and loves you that way. There was an um, Indian, uh, part of a tribe, Native American, politically correct language, but he was a, I think he was a, an Iroquois Indian uh, in Maine. And he said, even as a young boy, there was still a rite of passage in the tribe. And when they were 12, they had to go out at night and spend all night in the woods. Now, if you know the woods of northern Maine, there are lions and tigers and bears. I mean, oh my, (laughs) there really are. Uh, Very large mountain lions, um, the black bear, the brown bear, the grizzlies, they're all there. Uh, the, uh, it's dangerous. So at 12, he had to go out and be out there alone. And he said, they, I had a knife. I had learned how to use the knife. And he said, I was out there in the woods. And he said, I found this huge rock. And I could put my back up against that rock. Then I only had to keep watch on three sides. Now, remember, he's 12 years old. And he said, I had that knife in my hand. He said, all night, all night, I just stood there, you know, looking, looking, watching. And he said, the sun began to come up. And he said, I just, my whole body just relaxed. And he said, I stepped away from the cliff. And as I stepped away, I heard this noise. And he said, you know, it's so quiet that you could hear it. And he said, I heard this noise. And I turned around and I looked up. On the top of that cliff rock was his father with a bow and arrow, and he had been there all night long. But the boy was not to know that. That was part of the test. Your father is watching over you. Your father loves you. And when you come to prayer, one of the things you want to say is, Holy Spirit, reveal the Father to me. Let me love the Father as I'm intended to love the Father. Let me know the Father. Let me be able to trust the Father. And I'll talk later about the scriptures, but right now it's that sense of coming to your Father when you're in need, when you're frightened, when you need some kind of comfort, when you need wisdom, Come and just say, Father, help me.
Father, show me, and know that the Father is there for you. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, to reveal the Father and the Son to us. You're given the Holy Spirit in baptism and confirmation. But as a friend of mine always said, you can't use what you don't know you have. I mean, God isn't going to take it over and just, you know, put it in front of you like a TV screen. He says, come, come, seek me. Seek me with all your heart. When you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So when we come to prayer, we want to acknowledge that this is our Father. This is my Father. You know what Jesus said? I love it. John 14, 31. I do only what the Father has commanded me so that the world may know I love the Father. He knew he was loved. He knew he was loved. And therefore, he wanted to do what the Father wanted, even though the Father asked him to die. Father, if it be possible, let this chalice pass from me. But not my will, yours be done. Only someone, Jesus, who knew that he had a father who loved him, could endure the cross. Your father loves you. God the Father loves you. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more important than your relationship with God. There isn't. And if God remains generic, you know, the generic brand, God, God, out there, unknowable, how, how are you going to live for him? How are you going to die for him? How are you going to serve him in trial and difficulty? You can't. You can't. So it doesn't matter your age. God the Father wishes to reveal himself more to you. Who he is. And you notice with Jesus, and it's true with us, that a loving father still can ask things that are hard for us because he knows they will lead to something greater. And we can't see the something greater. We can only see the trial. And I say so often when I'm in doubt or when I'm in fear, I say, Father, please reveal yourself more to me. Give me courage. Give me hope. Help me. And he's never failed. He's never failed. It might come through a person. It might come through something I read. It might come directly from him. But something comes. And God the Father loves you. And it doesn't matter your sin. When God forgives, God forgets. The scriptures are full of it. Read Isaiah 42. Read Isaiah 43. As the sun rises and and burns off the mist, says the Lord in the morning, so have I removed your sins from me. It's as though they never were. Mother Teresa tells the one, I believe it because it was Mother Teresa, um, she tells the story of a man who came to her and who said that he wanted, to, he wanted to follow the Lord, but his sins were too many. And his mother could do, I spent a day with her, so I, I've, I've seen this directly. She just, it's very simple. We'll confess them. 
you know, when he said, I've got too many sins, she said, did you confess them? No. Well, confess them. They're gone. And so he said, oh, my sins are too many, mother. And she said, no, not for God. So he sat down, finally, and he wrote out his sins, and they covered five notebook pages on both sides. So he really had carried his sin, the burden of it. He didn't forget. And he wrote it all out, and she kept encouraging him to go to confession. So he said, can I take my papers with me? She said, yes. So he went to confession. This is what happened. He read to the priest all five pages of his confession. And at the end of it, he said, Father, I'm sure I've forgotten something. And he went back. Before Father could say a word, this man went back to the first page to see, to look through them again, see if he could remember what he had forgotten. And the first page was blank. And the second page was blank and the third, and the fourth, and the fifth. When God forgives, God forgets. That's how you're loved. Don't let past sin hold you back from the intimacy with God, your Father, that God has for you. Jesus won that for you by his death on the cross. You're loved. You see, what is it, G.K. Chesterton, who said, God made us in his image and likeness, and man is forever trying to return the compliment. <laughs> we try to make man over, we try to make God over into our image and likeness. I couldn't forgive this, therefore God couldn't forgive this. I couldn't let this go, therefore God won't let this go. And that's not true. Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth, Teach me the truth. Give me the courage to believe. So whether you've had a good father or not, God your father is the perfect father. And he will love you and care for you. Turn to him. Don't let sin hold you back. Just say, Holy Spirit, help me to enter into this relationship with God my father. I really don't know him. Help me. And then you read the scriptures that speak about Jesus' relationship with his Father. And it's the same relationship that's there for you. Ask him to show you. That's prayer. It's worship. It's adoration. It's praise. It's prayer. God the Father so loved us that he gave us Jesus. Do you really know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know what you've been saved from? Do you know what you're saved for? Do you really know him? I mean, when we know we've been saved, we, are, we really acknowledge the one who rescued us. But you see, in this world of ours, I can't go on that side. <laughs> I did that one time. I was up in, um, I was in a church, and they had one of those podiums, like, um, or pulpits, like Cecil B. DeMille. You know, you went up these stairs. 
kind of went way out like this. You know, and you stand up there is another one of those times like this. But I, the talk was on being a fool for the sake of Christ. And I finished the talk and turned around and fell down eight steps. <laughs> I did. I, tri- I totally forgot I was up like that. And I went down eight steps and landed on all fours in front of the altar in this church. And the, the dear pastor came up to me. He was an older man. He came up to me. It was a Protestant church. And he came up and he leaned down and he said, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. <laughs> and I said, get me out of here. <laughs> so I won't go on that side. I was like, Who knows what might happen? Jesus, Jesus is your savior. What did he save you from? He can save me from my sin. He can save me from eternal death. He can save me for eternal life. You or I can't win heaven on our own. We can't. We're incapable. We're imperfect. We make mistakes all the time. I need a Savior 24-7. I don't know about you. But I know I need a Savior all the time. Many years ago, it was one of the first times we were going to confession face-to-face. And um, I was lined up for confession, and I had my list, my sins, you know, in my mind. I didn't have it. I, called it. I call it now my laundry list. You know, you take things to the dry cleaners, you get them cleaned. You have them for a few weeks, they get dirty again. You take the same clothes back, you know and you get them cleaned again. Well, that's how I was relating to confession. I had no expectation that God really could wipe away my sins. I mean, he forgave me, but he still kept his list. You know, I'll forgive you this time. You know that, that kind of spirit, you know? That's what I felt like. So I had my, what I called my laundry list, and I went to confession. I went in. It changed my life. I sat down, and I went through the, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. It's been so long since my last confession, and these are my sins. And I went down my sins, which included, you know, being critical of others, being judgmental. No. I listed my sins. And when I was finished, I... You know, I was very, I thought this is good, you know. Gone to confession now and clean up a bit, you know. And that's, that was the level of my expectation, though I was a religious with vows, had been a Catholic all my life. I was still in that attitude of, you know, it's almost like a spiritual slot machine, you know. You put in, you put in your part and, you know, God blesses you and, I'm clear and free. And so I um, finished my confession, and I sat there. And the priest um, went like this. (laughs) And he stayed that way. Now, you know, when you don't know what's coming or you don't know why he's doing what he's doing, I... I was a little nervous, and it seems much longer than it probably was, but anyway. 
And finally, I looked. I kind of, you know, looked. I was sitting right next to him, and I, I kind of looked. And you could see his lips were moving, and I thought, oh, he's praying for me. Isn't that nice, you know? I mean, I was just very self-satisfied, and I sat back. And he lifted his head, and he said, Sister, may I ask you a question? And I thought, well, he's never done that before. And I thought, what could he be asking me a question about? I mean, what I did was clear, and you know. And I, but of course, you know, yes, Father. All the while, you know, my heart's... And he said, Sister, are you sorry for anything you've said? And I had just confessed being critical and judgmental. So you can imagine what went on in my head. Who do you think you are to ask me if I'm sorry? (laughs) (laughs) Of course I'm sorry. (laughs) Why would I be here if I wasn't sorry? (laughs) I mean, that's, that's what went on in my head. But of course, you know, I didn't say any of that. No, I just went, pardon me, Father. (laughs) And he said, Sister, I could give you absolution, but I would rather not. I would rather you go and learn how much you need the mercy of God. And I realized up to that point, I had been, it was like a moment of revelation, and I realized that I was spending my life putting my sins in, you know, and getting a clean bill of health back and going on. I wasn't relating to God, my Savior, as my Savior, as the one whom I loved, the one whom I needed, the one whom I had offended. I wasn't relating as a person. I was just doing the things one was supposed to do. And I remember looking up at the priest, and I was absolutely astounded. It was like, honestly, I felt like it was one of those images, you know, where the shaft of light comes through the sky and, you know, you're changed. But there was just a moment there where I thought, I've lived like I'm my own savior. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but it's all me. And as long as I present God with a clean bill of health, he'll take care of me, but it's up to me. Brothers and sisters, I spent four months before I went back to confession again, because I couldn't go back, didn't want me to come back, until I learned how much I stood in need of the mercy of God. And I can tell you today, I know I live by the mercy of Jesus Christ. I live by it. It's what fuels me. It's not me. It's not my righteousness. It's not my goodness. None of that can save me. It's his grace and my cooperation with that grace. Four months, I sat in front of the tabernacle every day for prayer and said, Lord, have mercy on me that I might know how much I need your mercy that I might really learn that I live by the mercy of God. It's what gives me life. It's God's constant forgiveness, God's mercy, God's love, God's tenderness. I live by it. 
I would die without it. I cannot save myself. Some of you have heard me uh, tell this, but a friend of mine, we were in a terrible argument one day. She's a good friend, a real friend. We were in this argument. She thought I should be doing X, and I thought that that X was crazy and I should be doing Y. And we were arguing back and forth, and at one point she looked at me and she said, who do you think you are? The vice president of creation? And my answer was, yes. <laughs> God's the creator. God's the savior. God's the redeemer. I'm the VP. You know, God would do well to listen to God. Yes, I'll do this, but let's do it this way. Let's do it with this timing. Let's do it with these people. You know, God, God needs my input. I mean, it sounds terribly prideful and arrogant, and it is, but that's the way I thought, and thought I was cooperating with God. And I remember crying out to God, and I began to see my sin as simply ingratitude to the one who had saved me. I was, my sin was taking things into my own hands. I'll be my savior. I'll prepare myself. I'll make myself ready and then see if I pass your inspection. But that's not a relationship. When you come to God, come to him as your father and come to him as your savior. I need to be saved. I cry out every day, save me. Because all I have to do is take one step to the left. Do you know those days? Or one step to the right and I'm going to fall in the hole. I know it. These circumstances, this group of people, this kind of a situation, I'm going to sin. Jesus, save me. And when I cry out to God that way every day, it's almost, it's not, but it's almost like I feel a tap on my shoulder when I'm going to go the wrong way. I'll save you. And he will save us. He does the saving. All I have to do is be willing. But I have to know I need one. I have to be willing to repent for my sin. And when I cry out to him to be my savior, he will do it. He's God. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For a copy of this program on Compact Disc, call 330-966-2903 or send an email to orders at livingbreadradio.com and reference the program broadcast date. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.